for the moms out there, I think it's really, really important that they are super aware of how they're talking about themselves, how they are, you know, maybe, you know, perceiving themselves out on the outside, meaning like if they're looking in the mirror, are they saying like, oh my gosh, this wrinkle or my gray hair or whatever's coming up, you know, being critical of their image because those are little things that add up and just show girls like this is what you do when you look in the mirror, you know, you find all the flaws, you don't focus on what you do like about yourself. And, you know, there's something that I see in girls, which is such a, it's kind of an oddity, you know, it's like there's almost a fear to be confident. Welcome to the Parenting Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. Conscious conversations to help you take your teen from anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem to empowered and inspired so you can have less chaos and more connection in your life. It takes a village. And now, on to our show. Parents, if you want your teen to go from anxiety, depression, low self-esteem to empowered and inspired, then don't hesitate to reach out. Go ahead and text the word TEEN to 760-593-4238. That's TEEN to 760-593-4238. And we'll give you some information. We'll connect and we'll talk about our online course for teens. It's an eight-week course. It's online, live. There's a teen, There's a community of other teens. There's coaching from myself, and it's very, very transformative. So if you need help, reach out now onto our show. All right. Welcome to the Parent Teen Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. Super excited to be here. Bo, how you doing? Man, I'm good. I've, I know I've been away for a while, but this is like really exciting to be back. So thank you. Uh, for all the work. And I want to thank all the guests that have been on since I've been off. It's been great to kind of see you guys and hear what you have to say. Thank you for all the value to the parents and to the teens and for our current listeners now that are looking at this. If you hear anything, I always say this at every episode, if you hear anything at all that touches your heart, please don't push it away. This could be something that could really help you and your team. Most definitely. And and feel free to, to share this with somebody who you might be thinking of that really that really needs this help right now. Right, so I'm excited to introduce our guest, our guest star. Um, our our guest is the founder of Inspire Balance Coaching. She is a former teacher and certified life coach with over 15 years of experience. Her specialized coaching programs provide parents and girls valuable insights and realistic strategies for handling the challenges of adolescence. Girls in her programs are empowered with tools and support that promote confidence, motivation, and an ability to make thoughtful self-empowering decisions. Oh, I love that. Her parenting programs teach effective practices that lead to fewer battles, less frustration, better communication, and more ease and enjoyment in parenting teens and tweens. Let us give a warm welcome to Erica Rude. Thank you, Erica, for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk with you guys and share with your audience. Thanks for having me. Fantastic, fantastic. So Erica, I want to get into, you know, what got you so passionate in the first place to help teens and to help parents with this, you know, managing this adolescent period? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I have always been passionate about working with young people. I was a teacher for many years. I worked in a um, foster care system for a while. Um, And, you know, it was 
my teen years that really affected my decision to go into teaching. And it was when I was teaching that I really became aware of the social emotional needs of teen girls, especially um, rewind to when I was a teen, my parents got divorced when I was 14. I was just very lost. I had great parents, but they were also very preoccupied with their own stuff. And when they got divorced as an only child, I really didn't have a sense of direction and I didn't feel like I had anybody to talk to. Um, I did have a lot of friends, but my friends were also, you know, not really the best crowd. So I made a lot of poor choices as a teen, um, probably because I didn't have a lot of guidance and I didn't have like, you know, a very um, strong home life, especially with my parents divorcing. Um, when I became a teacher, I started to just see more and more how year after year, the girls were struggling. They were struggling with school and learning. And it was because they were so distracted and distraught by the stuff that was going on outside of the classroom, the stuff with friends, family changes, which I could totally relate to, just the personal changes that, you know, girls naturally go through, but it was just exacerbated by the stuff that was happening with their friends and with their family. And then even, you know, the academic rigor started to play a role and negatively affect girls. So I just became really interested in, you know, what could I do to help them? Certainly, my experience as a teen gave me some background and, you know, some tools that I could share when they would come to me before school or after school or at lunchtime. But I also reached a point where I was like, I just need more. And I was more curious about it. So I was in my master's program, getting my master's in education. I had to write a thesis and I'm thinking, what's my topic? And it just became so natural that I would explore girl relationships. And what I studied and wrote my thesis on was relational aggression. I designed a curriculum designed to teach girls about accepting each other, understanding themselves, resolving conflict peacefully. And I implemented it in the class, which was really exciting. But then as years went by, you know, the character ed time became less and less and the academic demands became greater and greater. So um, I just didn't have much bandwidth or time in my classroom to execute these lessons, but it was something I was so passionate about. And I just started to talk to people about my passion. I finished my master's. I decided to do a yoga teacher training just because I was also very passionate about yoga at the time. And it was there that I had this click that, wow, the messages that we hear in yoga about balance, about accepting ourselves where we are that particular day, about letting things go. I mean, all of these were so powerful. And I thought to myself, what if girls got that message along with some of these practical tools for understanding themselves, you know, accepting other people, resolving conflict peacefully, everything I wrote in my curriculum. And, you know, that was when I was like, I want to create something that includes yoga and these, you know, kind of character ed personal development lessons. And so I did. <laughs> I created these classes, the mother-daughter yoga classes and teen yoga classes that had a yoga element and had conversations and some kind of creative activity that really lent itself to these themes of development and, and personal growth. Excuse me. Um, and as I was doing that, and again, just sharing my passion, I learned about a career called teen life coaching. And I'm like, oh, that sounds perfect. <laughs> 
that's what I want to do. So I did a training. I've done a couple of life coach trainings and um, left my safe teaching job to pursue my passion and, you know, a career that just doesn't even feel like a job because it's so very much aligned with what I know I'm meant to do and what I think is just so important for teen girls. Mm. Thank you for having the courage to follow your calling. That's what I was going to say. I think that's a good example too, especially as you're going through the mentor process and kind of breaking down those barriers when you're working with teen girls to show that like, hey, you can really go out and align your true passion with what you want to do. But I know that took a lot of work. It didn't happen overnight. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, it it required overcoming a lot of fears because, oh, yeah. you know, especially I, I think, you know, my mom was a teacher. I was very much conditioned to be, you know, safe and very pragmatic about money and safety and security and teaching provides all of that. And I also, I love teaching. But there was just part of me that knew, you know, I'm not going to be a teacher forever. And I, d- I didn't know at the time. I didn't even know teen life coaching was a thing. So I could have never said, you know, this is what I want to do. Right. Um, but then when I learned about it, it was like, okay, now I need to figure out a way. And it was scary. And honestly, I didn't do it right away. I worked in small steps. I kept right. my teaching job part time. And, you know, I, I had to educate myself a lot in business and marketing. Um, yeah. So it, it was a lot of work, but very rewarding. Totally worth it. Maybe one of the unintentional benefits of somebody listening to this right now is that they'll see that they can be a life coach as you Exactly did. what I was going to say. 100%. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. put those steps in, man. And, you know, and, and, and that's what I think is the biggest thing, too, especially when you're working with teenagers is, you know, it's one thing to not – it's one thing to do what you did, right, where you have to basically – create your own life the way that you want to do it. And I think that's amazing because unless we've done that, how are we going to really teach it on a very intimate level? And I think that's what you're able to do a lot for our listeners as well. She'll put her contact info at the end, but you know, she's walked the walk and, and I can't wait to hear kind of some of the tips and tools you got for us. Yeah. yeah so, awesome. so and you know, anybody who is listening, I, if they're interested in, you know, kind of taking that leap and pursuing a path of coaching, I love talking about it. I'd be so happy to just share, you know, my suggestions, tips, and offer support. Oh yeah, cool. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. How Let's to contact it. Erica, and 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 you could follow up with Erica in the information in the show notes that we'll provide. Erica, today we're going to be talking about common challenges teen girls face and how parents can best support. We've got some common challenges. I've got a 17 year old. Bo's got a daughter that's approaching her tweens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're yep. here just uh, selfishly taking notes. I mean, just, <laughs> let, let's, just, let's just be real. Uh, get your notebook. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, it's funny when dads, uh, you know, have daughters, everyone starts to warn us, right? Uh-oh, you better look out, you know, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, some of that's true. But, um, you know, from your perspective, what are the common challenges that we're facing? You know, um, there are three areas that, as I think about my you know, seven years of coaching teens, have just come up time and time again. And of course, for each individual, you know, the specifics of the challenge vary, but I think the three most common challenges are self-confidence, you know, feeling, um, feeling good about yourself, but also knowing who you are, which is a kind of a natural part of the teen years. You know, they're asking themselves the question, who am I? Where do I fit in? And sometimes, you know, girls sort of know right away or they've had guidance and they have a little bit of background in that. Other times they're exploring, they're trying things on. And in that process, 
there can be a lot of triggers to self-doubt and lack of confidence. Um, you know, under self-confidence, I think body image is a big one for girls, self-image. Um, and then the other two, you know, relate to social media, the things that come along with that, which do sometimes breed that negative self-talk and a lack of confidence. Um, and then, you know, school, school, especially in this last year, I've seen so much um, challenge around motivation, being able to focus, you know, along these lines, like handling the changes that come along with school, you know, there's the natural transition when you go from elementary to middle, middle to high, high to college, but, you know, COVID threw in a whole big wrench to <laughs> managing change, right, especially as it related to academics. So, those are the three areas that I think, you know, girls most commonly um, have struggles in. No, so, that's good. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So you said the first one is self-confidence. Did you say the yeah. second one is social media or is that wrapped into self-confidence? Well, you know, I kind of separated social media as its own yeah, separate okay. thing. Because I think there's some thing. different layers to that. Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they're they, they overlap a little bit, but there is a totally, you know, that that's a piece all in itself. And to be honest, that's the thing that I've been uh, talked to about with parents the most as yep. how do I get my teen to get off social media and to unplug and to get back to who they are, you know, and disconnect. So I can't wait to get into that. But first, let's jump into the first one, um, self-confidence, because that's huge as well. That's a huge one, you yeah. know, body image and all the things, feeling good about yourself, self-identity. I know I went through an identity crisis when, when I was a teenager. Um, what, what, what could we do with self-confidence and how can parents support? Yeah, you know, I think the first most important thing is to recognize that, you know, confidence can be learned. Kids are not born confident, and it is through their experiences and their nurturing and through the people in their lives that really can bolster a sense of self-confidence. You know, it's also important for parents to understand the challenges, you know, what really does challenge a girl's self-confidence. And, you know, social media definitely comes in that category, the negative self-talk that can be triggered through you know, social media, again, um, sometimes just experiences with friends, sometimes teachers, you know, teachers, and I can say this having been one, you know, sometimes they say something that isn't really meant to hurt the student's feelings or call them out, but it can be a major, major trigger. Um, and then just kind of this culture of perfectionism, you know, it's everywhere. It's on social media, but it's everywhere. And this is something that girls are kind of constantly comparing themselves to this ideal, whether it's an ideal academic student, whether it's an ideal body, whether it's an ideal life, you know, of just having certain things and people. And all of these can contribute to challenges with self-confidence. Um, so, you know, I think number one for parents is like learn about what your daughter is going through and calibrate with her. And parent coaching can be a really great way to do that because, you know, coaches, especially ones like me who work with teens, can share a perspective and insight that, you know, parents sometimes don't get when they're wearing their parent lens, right? It's like the parent lens can have blinders on it and it doesn't really enable you all the time to see the big picture and put into perspective some of these things that um, can create a lack of confidence. Um, you know, it's always really important to model self-confidence. 
this is something that, you know, cool. I think we hear about it a lot with like younger kids, right? Modeling is so important, but it's equally as important for teens. And when you're parenting a teen girl, you know, teen girls are going to look up to their parents, you know, no matter what, but they're also paying special attention to their moms, you know, especially when it comes to body image and self image. And so for the moms out there, I think it's really, really important that they are super aware of how they're talking about themselves, how they are, you know, maybe, you know, perceiving themselves out on the outside, meaning like if they're looking in the mirror, are they saying like, oh my gosh, this wrinkle or my gray hair or whatever's coming up, you know, being critical of their image because those are little things that add up and just show girls like this is what you do when you look in the mirror, you know, you find all the flaws, you don't focus on what you do like about yourself. And, you know, there's something that I see in girls, which is such a, it's kind of an oddity, you know, it's like there's almost a fear to be confident. You don't want to be, you don't want to like yourself too much because then it could be perceived as you're stuck up or, you know, you're full of yourself or you're extra, all of these things that have a negative association. So, you know, I think it's, it's so key for parents to talk about the difference between being conceited, being stuck up, being confident, <laughs> you know, and having this, having the sense of self-confidence, right? Like just really giving some explicit information about the differences between confidence and conceit um so girls start to understand that and build their own meaning around it so what are you seeing is that's a good one too so what are you seeing so how i'm looking at it right now right because i'm obviously analytical as a guy so it's like okay uh indicator right what's an indicator that should trigger me to be able to kind of work about self-confidence maybe with my teen girl you know what are some indicators of a lack of self-confidence that you see that are pretty common because you hit it on the head when you first started talking is you know we have a lot of things going on as parents sometimes and small indicators can add up over a long period of time and turn into something that snowball when we could have caught it earlier and ahead of time mm -hmm. so what are some of those indicators that you're seeing you know uh, of a lack of self-confidence I think the most obvious one is the way that girls are talking about themselves. You know, if you have a daughter and you're listening to her talk with her friends and it's just this cycle of like self-deprecating comments, which again, like that's kind of a, a negative cycle that girls get into. They relate to each other through talking about the things they don't like about themselves. Um, that's a signal that, you know, you okay. need to kind of intervene. Um, similarly, you know, if you have a daughter who, when she is looking in the mirror or talking about her body, she's being hypercritical of it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, nonetheless, I think it's just, I don't think you wait for the indicator. Sure. <laughs> I think you start these conversations when as early as you can sure. and you just keep that going and keep the modeling and keep the information coming in a positive way. So, you know, you don't have to wait till you get the you know, yellow flags to say, yeah. Oh wait, I need to do something plus, about this. Plus my daughter never lets me hear her conversations anywhere. So I wouldn't even be able to pick up on that. You know, right. uh, she, she likes to keep her conversations private, but you know, um, things like, Hey dad, I, I, I need to go to the orthodontist because I need to have my teeth straightened when her teeth are really nice already, mm -hmm. you know, and right. it's things like that. I mean, is that, is that her just wanting to be the best self that she could be? Do I need to look at that as a warning flag? Do you think, or do you, do you, how should I take something like that? It's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not, 
I wouldn't call that a warning flag, but I would call that an opportunity to have a conversation around what really matters to her and what's behind that desire to go to the orthodontist and get her teeth straightened. Um, you know, a lot of the, those things are, are, again, opportunities to just engage and, you know, the why, what's motivating you? Is it about you want to be your best self? And if so, like, why do you think that having straight teeth is going to help you be your best mm-hmm. self? You know, so it's just, I, I think there's always that time where you can kind of dig a little deeper with your daughters and help them get connected to themselves and their values, which then, you know, can inform their decisions. Fantastic. Fantastic. Any other questions along along the self-confidence, Bo, before we move on to the next one? No, I think that was good. I mean, the biggest lesson that I learned is, hey, let's do it early and often. You know, it's something I haven't even thought mm-hmm. about. You know, yeah. my daughter being six years old, right, uh, or seven years old and getting ready to go and, you know, move on to another grade. And then we have, obviously, a teenage boy getting ready to go in middle school. But early and often is, is great for our audience. Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling it, yep. you know, open dialogue. And, again, we always say – you know, if it's something that parents are struggling with, we need to have top of mind awareness. You know, something that Forrest and I always talk about, you have to have top of mind awareness. If you know it's going to be a conversation where you might not be able to model well, or you might not be able to be a very good example in that moment, just prepare yourself, take some time, and then go into it level-headed and clearly. And so that's what we always like to do as well as, you know, you're giving really good tips, but sometimes we need to uh, make sure that we're prepping our parents for these conversations because sometimes they can't, they don't always turn out. Uh, being the rosiest of conversation, you know what I mean? They don't always, sometimes they're hard conversations to have. And uh, mm-hmm. our parents, just like all of us, have things that we need to work on. So just something to remember as we're, as we're moving through this stage of more communication as our children get older and having more in-depth dialogue is making sure that we're balanced and we're aware when we go into these conversations. So I think that's pretty much it for me. Actually, can I build I off of that? Because that's, that's, that's important. Yeah. I, th- I think maybe, Erica, do you have any tips of uh, parents setting up a safe space for right. a conversation like this? How do we set that up? For sure. Well, I, I have, yeah, I have a couple of things to say about what Bo just mm-hmm. said. It's such cool. a good point, but it yeah. makes me think, you know, number one, as a parent, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, don't be, I, I notice this a lot that parents, especially when it comes to the challenges with their teens, they kind of want to keep that to themselves. You know, it's like, I don't want to be the one who has a daughter who has that Stigma, problem. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah. And so I just think, you know, open up, talk to your friends about it, talk to a coach about it, get mm-hmm. some tools and perspective that will help you have that hard conversation. You know, in terms of how to create the opportunities, that's a really good question, too, for us, because I think a lot of parents of teens feel like my teen never talks to me or, you know, it's like she comes home from school, she just wants to go to her room. and we never <laughs> Exactly. Um, you know, Wait, do you know my daughter? Time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. um, you know, I think sometimes you have to just create the create the time, you know, set a date. And it may be about saying, you know, hey, saying to your daughter, like, hey, I really want to spend some time with you. Let's do what you want to do. You choose, you know, let's just go spend an afternoon. You pick the day, you pick the activity, and let's go do that. So you center it around an activity that's really, you know, chosen by your teen. It's on her terms. And then in that, you know, find the opportunities to start these conversations because it tends to happen easier when you're doing something with your teen that she's really into, right? Not if it's like, let's sit down and talk about this because then the the teen's like, oh, wait, what's mom going to say now or what's dad going to come to me with now? Mm-hmm. So, you know, let it be natural. And, you know, kind of what you were saying earlier, Forrest, about when your daughter comes to you and says, hey, I want to go to the orthodontist and get my teeth straightened. Look for those opportunities when you're in just a natural discussion with your teen or she is sharing something with you. 
start to, you know, think ahead and say, okay, wait, maybe this is a time for me to ask that question that then inspires a really deep, meaningful conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, and confidence, um, you know, this day and age, in this modern era, you know, we, we used to be bombarded with marketing messages and television, but now they have TikTok and Snapchat and all their friends and everyone's got a filter. So they look absolutely immaculate, um, which leads us into our next area of focus, which is social media. Uh, tell us, you know, Erica, what have you seen with the problems of social media, especially when it comes to teen girls? Yeah. I first want to say that social media is not the devil. <laughs> I think social media plays a real, I know it plays a really, really important role in the lives of teen girls. And I want to start with that because sometimes parents feel like, you know, social media is to blame for all the problems that their teen girl has, you know, and I'm not saying that it doesn't contribute. I think in many ways it does, but it's also a really important venue for connection, for understanding each other, you know, for expressing yourself and learning about yourself. So there's a lot of positives to social media. I also think, as we all know, social media is not going away. So I think it's so key for parents not to fight against it, but to find a way to make it work. <laughs> so that's a little bit of like what a parent can do to address those social media challenges. In terms of the challenges that teens face around social media and teen girls especially, Comparison is number one, you know, just like what you said, Forrest, there's all of these picture perfect girls and guys out there that they're looking at and it's like, oh, I want to be like that or I want to have that life. And, you know, that really starts to trigger the self-doubt, sometimes, you know, the striving for what's really unrealistic and impossible, which then creates this sense of frustration and, um, and stress. Um, there's, you know, the fear of missing out, which can also lead to sadness and loneliness. Again, it's not necessarily real because the things we're seeing on social media, A, they're not always in real time. And, you know, they're sort of constructed. So it can sometimes look like, hey, all my friends are at this place having the best time. And it's like, no, really, there's like two people there. So, yeah. you know, I think that um, that's, but it's real and it leads to very intense um, feelings for girls. And then, you know, probably the most scary one for parents is addiction, you know, cell phone addiction, addiction to being on social media, just that constant need to like be connected and be, you know, phone in hand and phone in face, um, which again, you know, just kind of contributes to the challenges I talked about earlier. Yeah, that phone in hand, that constant addiction, that is my biggest worry because I always think about like what could you be using your energy for in a positive way had you not been, you know, spending four hours on TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram today, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like with cannabis, like I don't think cannabis is the worst thing in the world, but if you're spending all your days focused and, and, and doing all that with all your time, how is it yeah. removing you? You're removing your focus from all these other creative ways to use your, your energy and your time. So that's how mm -hmm. I look at it. So, um, yeah, how can we how, how can we as parents then support and create like a healthy relationship with social media and our teen girls? You know, one way I saw too is uh, out here was a pretty cool discussion of the day. And maybe Erica has seen this is where they're actually using it 
where they're actually doing different types of fundraisers on social media together and they're doing more positive and uplifting things in certain groups. I've seen that and I thought that was really cool where, you know, there's these initiatives around here where it's like, okay, if you're going to be on here, let's go do something positive with it. You know, let's create some fundraisers. Let's get in groups where we're solving community problems. You know, let's do those things. And I've seen that. And I think that's pretty helpful, you know, if you can push your children to do that. But that's just one thing I saw recently. I mean, that's a good question, you know, like what can we do? But that's something I saw recently that I thought was really, really cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I was I was going to say that. I think that's an excellent way to approach social media, you know, is look for how you can if that's where the energy is going, how can you channel that in a positive way? And how can you use that as a platform to make a difference in the world um, or even make positive connections? You know, Mm -hmm. that takes a little investigating on the part of the parents, you know, and it also requires them having this open and, um, you know, real conversation with their teen. So their teen doesn't feel like their parents saying, oh, you need to do this. If you're going to be on your phone, you have to find an organization and be a helper, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because again, like that's going to probably cause pushback Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's always super, super key for parents to set boundaries early. And I know that many do, but sometimes they're not necessarily calibrated with where their teen is. So what I mean by that is recognizing, you know, what what your teen kind of does understand about the world and social media and what she's ready for. And, you know, really set your boundaries accordingly. And that may mean that, you know, your 14 year old forest may have certain um, boundaries that are different from Bo's, right? Because you're just, you're parenting different kids. So I think that calibrating with your teen and really understanding where she is, is, is key for setting any boundary, but especially when it comes to social media, I think it's super important to talk Talk about the dangers of social media, of phone addiction, of, you know, just the the ways that, you know, images are constructed and, you know, shed the light of truth on these things. Um, Again, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. One of my favorite, which is kind of old school now, but it's the Dove Real Beauty campaign. And they have this video that shows like all that goes into what makes that picture perfect. And, you know, there's a lot more than what that video shows nowadays, because now there's like, you know, apps for filters and things like that. But, um, you know, just starting to educate your your young person, you know, this is something for you, Bo, with your younger daughter to just talk about this early on. So when your teen is looking at social media, they know, oh, that's that's not 100 percent real. And, you know, I think that helps really minimize the FOMO, the comparison, self-doubt that can come from being on social media so much. There's one other uh, area of contention that my wife and I came across with our with our daughter who um, who was 14, but is now 17. Just just uh, and she's about to move out like she wants to move out already. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, is this really happening? But, um, you know, it's the whole, like, should we be tracking what she's saying, what she's doing? Should we be spying on her? Should we be looking out for predators, looking out for people with, you know, fentanyl trying to sell her stuff? Because we have Mm -hmm. found stuff, questionable things, either that she's posted that could be very damaging to her future if these pictures are taken. Or, um, you know, we found another friend talking about drugs and pills one time. And we were like, what's this? But it was my wife. Because she's the smart one, right? She's she's the crime scene investigator. Um, <laughs> I'm the one who, I'm I'm the gullible one who extends a little bit too much trust. So where do mm-hmm. we find like the right 
amount of trust and how can we get on top of that as a parent to make sure we're keeping our kids safe, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a really common question, a good one. Um, I... I think number one, you know, when it comes to trust and how much freedom you give with the with the phone or really anything else, you do have to calibrate, like I said earlier, and recognize, you know, how much how much responsibility has my team demonstrated and how much, you know, can they handle? Um, so that's number one. And again, that's different for every team. It's not a one size fits all. I think when it comes to checking your team's phone, I'm a proponent that you're the parent. You own the phone, you pay the bill, you have a right to check it. And it's a part of keeping your team safe. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I don't think it's fair nor helpful to do it behind your team's back. I think it needs to be really clear. Hey, you know, this is my device that you are using (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be taking it and there's going to be random checks. You know, I think you just need to be very transparent with your teen about that. And when you do check it and you find something that's questionable, approach your teen right away about it and say, you know, this is something that I need an explanation about. And Mm -hmm. in, you know, setting the boundaries when you give a device, I think part of that conversation needs to include, yeah, we're going to check your phone randomly. These are some of the things that as a parent right now, I can be sure that if I find there's going to be a consequence with the phone and to say there are some things that I don't know yet (laughs) might be out there. And so there's also kind of the caveat of I might find something that I can't tell you right now there's going to be a consequence to, but there might be, you know, and you have to say, like, because technology is changing all the time, that's the truth that almost all teens I'm sure can understand. But again, you know, it's kind of like working with your teen and in that saying, like right now, this is about, this is how much trust we are going to give you or freedom we're going to give you with the phone. And as you know, you handle it responsibly, there'll be a little more, there'll be a little more. So again, it's that calibration, you know, meeting your teen where she is and recognizing where she is is changing all the time. <laughs> I love the word calibration because it just brings to mind like it's a constant adjusting, you know, and finding mm-hmm. a balance. You know, there's never this this one thing where you just pin it up on the wall. There's this relationship. Yeah. There's a, you know, right. I, I really love that you're using that word. Thank you for that. And I'll tell you what, I'm a big proponent of, of doing the random checks and doing that. One, obviously, I come from an from Intel background for like 12 years. But mm-hmm. another reason why is we had an instance in our family, and this is very real for the parents. This is very real. So I love that you stood up and you said, hey, random checks, you got to do it. It's because, you know, I had um, someone I care about very much that was getting groomed by a grown man from another state on social media. When I'm talking about being groomed, I'm talking about spending almost a year taking her methodically step by step. I reached out to my buddy that's in the FBI. I said, look at this, tell me what this is. And he's like, he's grooming her. Meaning it's all harmless, it's all nothing. You have no idea, he just wants to, it, and he's, he's a little bit older. It's, you, you know, it's usually a little bit outside the age range. He was in his early 20s, but she was 16 at the time and he was grooming her. And oh, I'm just your friend, I'm here to be, uh, I'm here to listen to you now. No, 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 you're in another state. And he showed me all the signs so parents, if you're seeing anything like that and you're like, oh, he's just being nice or, oh, he's doing that or, oh, she's just being nice to my son, whichever way it goes, reach out to somebody and start looking at what grooming is online because they're so good at it that some parents that are a little you know, nicer or don't, they're not as, um, you know, they're not looking at things that way, like what happened with us. 
um, you know, one of the parents was like, I don't know, this doesn't seem too bad. And I, I had to get my buddy in the FBI involved. And he was like, yo, this is grooming 101. You won't even know it until it's too late. So I'm a big proponent of checking phones randomly, you know, and I'm going to tell you something like, you know, my brother was a little triggered by it. Like he was upset. So how, how do we, you know, as men, when that happens, don't blame your daughter because she doesn't really know what's going on at the time. She just wants mm -hmm. the attention, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you, as a parent, go into it in a more balanced state? Because I'll tell you, like even now, I'm still like that guy was wrong by doing it. You know, I wish I could meet the guy. That's me, right? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. so how do you, how do you, as a father, stay really balanced and not put it on your teen and push her away? You know, and be really in a balanced state. So I think this is a really good one because grooming now happens all the time what my fbi buddy was telling me and it's so subtle and it's so smooth and this is a 24 month plan for these guys mm -hmm. you know they're waiting and yeah. and yeah, it's scary it's scary so um yeah i mean i don't know what you would do is kind of what you would say about that but yeah i'm a big proponent of it mm -hmm. as you can tell i get a little fired up thinking about it because i'm like mm -hmm. you know there's these guys doing that so yeah i think it's a very real thing yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned a couple of really important things, though, and that's, you know, parents educating themselves, learning the signs to look for. And I would also just add to that, you know, teaching your daughter those signs. So she's also aware. Older teens especially can handle oh, yeah. this. Um, and it just reminds me too, like, build up your daughter's sense of self and her courage and teach her boundaries. So she is not afraid to say, no, I don't want to engage. Right. In whatever form that comes in. But I think, right. you know, that's something that a lot of girls, certainly a lot of girls I've coached over the years, they're a little bit in like the, you know, nice girl mode. They right. don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. They don't want to say, you know, I don't want to talk to you. If a guy even asks for their snap, which is kind of the way things are going these days. They don't want to say no because they don't want the guy who's a stranger to be mad at them. The rejection. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, no, you, you Yo, need to you understand, like, it's okay. If he's mad at you because, you know, he's passing you by on the street and you say, no, I don't want to give you my snap, <laughs> he can be mad and he'll get over that, <laughs> you know, and this is like something that it seems so obvious for us as adults, but it's really a disconnect for a lot of teens. You know what I think was that you hit on too, and this is huge. You were like, yo, they can handle it. Hey, parents, your daughter is like 16 or 17. She can handle a tough a tough conversation and no she probably wants to be talked to that way as more as an adult and i think that's yeah. a good thing that you hit on it's like hey your children at a certain age can handle a a an adult conversation like that what do you recommend yeah. as like a teenage girl at that age i i'm thinking 15 and up i mean I guess it all depends on their case by case basis but yeah. i love that you said that like parents your teenage daughter can likely handle a hard hard conversation that could help her save her life or steer her in the right direction yep it's a really good point. And it reminds me of something that I say to a lot of parents who do my parent coaching program. We have a whole section on balancing support and rescue. And, you know, part of the support is being able to lean into those sticky, challenging, uncomfortable conversations. So you empower and educate your daughter to make decisions on her own. If you're rescuing and just, you know, taking the phone away and texting the guy and saying, you know, stop talk talking to my daughter, right? That's not teaching her much. So it's, I mean, this is an example of a way to use it with social media. But when it comes to, you know, school success, which I know is what we're going to get into next, like that balancing support and rescue is so key. It's key to understand how to do that. It's key to, you know, understand what your daughter can handle. We've talked about, um, 
and really, you know, practice it because teams need the experience of making decisions, being in those challenging conversations and experiencing the consequences or the outcomes of the choices they make. Good. Parents that are listening right now, take a deep breath. That was fire. We, we know yeah. we know there's a, there's a lot, and don't don't feel overwhelmed, right? We got you. Yep. Erica's right here, you know, with you. So take that deep breath, whether you're driving your car, folding your laundry, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, um, <laughs> there are solutions. And so we as parents, sometimes we get overwhelmed um, because there are a lot of fears, right? There's a lot of fears underneath that. And uh, yep. we, under, we understand what that feels like. You know, we're all parents mm -hmm. here and we're all teachers and um, we feel you. Eric, Erica, uh, what do you think now going forward, the last one, right? The last common problem, which mm -hmm. you're saying is, is the school and the motivation and everything, right? Um, talk, yeah. talk to us, talk us through that. What is that and yeah. why is that such a problem? I would call it, um, it's been called to me before, the academic pressure cooker. And I think that's a really good way to describe the challenge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think right now, these days especially, teens are um, really told and the message that you've got one path only to happiness and success. Mm -hmm. And that path is, you know, a certain GPA, lots of AP classes, AP sorry, certain scores on ACTs and SATs, getting into the, you know, top college, and then, you know, life is going to be great after that. They're so conditioned to believe that is the case, that it creates this extreme pressure in their academic world. Um, then, you know, again, there's comparison, right? There's a lot of talk about who's the top of the class, what's her GPA, what college is she going to, what did she get on the ACT? that breeds this sense of insecurity and fear and pressure and stress. So, you know, I think that that's, that's the main challenge and girls um, respond to that challenge differently. A lot of times they will just shut down and it's like, that's where the lack of motivation comes into play. Cause it's like, whoa, this is just too much. It's not for me. I don't even, you know, like math, I'm never going to use it and I'm not motivated to do it. Right. Or there's kind of the opposite end of that, which is this like hyper struggle to achieve, which then creates even more of a stressful situation because it's like, I want to be perfect at everything. I want to take it all on. <laughs> and, you know, that inevitably, as we know, also as adults, you know, just it's not sustainable. It leads to a breaking point. Right. And, you know, I've, I've coached girls on both ends of that spectrum. And, you know, I've seen that the outcomes of that tend to be the same in terms of like, it's stress, it's, you know, it's extreme exhaustion, it's hard on themselves. And, you know, tech, most of the time, maybe not so much with a high achiever, it does start to, you know, negatively affect their academic performance and, you know, therefore their, their future. I see that. I see that, you know, in my own education, both my older kids education, you know, uh, it's always been an area of frustration, either the shutdown or the hyper struggle to achieve, which are both mm -hmm. uh, seeming to me, um, you know, uh, destructive in their own ways. How do we find a balance and is a balance like the parent listening right now? If I if I balance, is that just um, conforming to mediocrity? Right. Am I just That's trying to just. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I would say, I think, you know, most of the parents of high achievers 
are very proud. They think, I, I don't want to stop my kid from being a high achiever. And the, the parents that are parenting teens that have a lack of motivation, it's like, why aren't they the high achiever? You know, everybody seems to be striving for that. Yep. I think we have to really examine why. And again, you know, that's something that's pretty personal for each family and each parent. But I encourage all parents to think, you know, it's kind of like um, what, one of the seven habits of highly effective teens. Begin with the end in mind. If you as a parent are thinking about what do I really, really want for my teen? You know, I think that's a great place to start and then begin to examine, you know, is this high achieving, you know, certain GPA, getting into this college, really part of what I ultimately want for my teen? You know, I think we have to begin there, like examining why it's so important, seemingly, to be this like extra straight A, high achieving student and, you know, find that middle ground. And again, it's going to look different depending on your team because we've got to calibrate with our teens. I think it's also really key, especially for the high achievers, to kind of teach them some skills, you know, both the high achiever and the um you know, that let's say the unmotivated students, they need some practical strategies for handling academic rigor, right? And a lot of that comes down to things like time management. For the high achiever, it's understanding, you know, how much can I actually take on without feeling totally exhausted or overwhelmed or stressed? For the unmotivated student, it's about, you know, how can I set up my schedule and manage my time? So the things that feel totally overwhelming and stop me in my tracks, are more manageable, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. So again, you know, this is something as a team coach, I would say 80% of my clients at some point or another, we're having a conversation about school success and these kind of study habits and mindsets that are really designed to help increase motivation in some cases or manage the kind of hyper motivation in other cases. Um, yeah, and manage for, time, for parents... you know, time management, yeah, I was Go just ahead, gonna sorry. say for parents that are listening to this right now, like uh, if you don't have a coach for your teen, I mean, after all we've talked about, like think about getting one because every teen needs support, right? Reach out to Erica. I mean, I mean it. Like, reach out. Trust this woman. She has your child's best interest at heart. And you know, if you can reach out, you know, again, we'll have her information in the show notes. I mean, this is so important that your teen feels supported and they have the tools to be able to work through and, like Erica said, manage these things. These are things that you can manage, but only if you have the tools to do so. Right. so and there's right. things that teens can learn. You know, this is the other thing that I think we've got to pay attention to when we're talking about self-confidence, resilience, even, you know, time management, certainly. I mean, these are skills that are teachable and that teens especially need to learn. They need to learn that for themselves in order to really you know, be independent. Right. And I think, too, a big part of that, too, is because when you started balancing, like, the different type of teens that are, like, super motivated and hyperactive and the other ones that need a little bit of help, really what we're looking at, too, is helping them understand kind of where their emotions sit, right, and emotional literacy and emotional intelligence. 
and breaking those things down to them because that's such a huge part and component that I've seen when we work with athletes, specific high school athletes, when we really start talking to them because, you know, they want to achieve so much academically and on the field or whatever they're playing, whatever sport it is. And so let them know to try to keep in a, a very um, balanced state emotionally and teach them how to do that and how their emotional brain works, right? Because we take in the emotional part of our brain takes in so much more than the analytic part of our brain. And it, and it, it causes us to react in certain ways. So when we teach them how to become aware of that and, and, and create that, you know, I, I really recommend that as parents. And when you look, especially with high achievers, you really want to teach them what those emotions do and how they affect their energy levels over time. So I think that's great. And I think that's wonderful. Yep. That's, um, I'll do a plug for coaching, but that yep. is de definitely, you know, emotional intelligence is, and right. self-awareness are two cornerstones of team yep. coaching. It Absolutely. just, it is always, no matter what specific area I'm focusing on with a team, that's always being harnessed and, strengthened. Do you Absolutely. see a lot of parents trying to live vicariously through their teens and also taking on their either hyper achievement or lack of achievement? Um, you know, you know how, how we as parents can just really mm -hmm. identify with our teens and almost live through them in a way and then put mm -hmm. a lot of undue pressure on the whole situation. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I wouldn't say that I see a lot of parents that do that. I think a lot of parents put um, undue pressure on their teens. You know, I, I think that that's something that happens. I don't see a lot of parents that live kind of vicariously through their teens or start to um, become too enmeshed in that area. Um, but I, I mean, do like, think I mean, like, uh, I, I'm kind of thinking maybe of maybe you see that more in sports parents, right? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, say, I, I, I was, I played high school football and I want my son to be out there. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and, uh, but, you know, my wife can be like that, too. She's like, I'm a scientist, and if you follow this science route and do what I do, you're going to be a high achiever like me. And, my, yeah. you know, my yeah. wife puts that, you know. It's not a bad thing. I'm just saying. I just do – I see it. Well, that, that I think happens quite a bit in um, all areas when you're parenting, you know. And mm -hmm. I think – and this is, again, something else that when I'm coaching parents, we usually begin here is digging into where are you parenting from? Mm -hmm. You know, are you parenting from this place of sort of autopilot where you're just thinking about like, this is what I did. So this is what my team should do. Are you oh, parenting yeah. from this is what my parents did to me. So this is how I'm going to parent them. You Great. know, in That's, that, yeah. like, are you parenting from fear and worry and anxiety? Or are you parenting mm -hmm. from trust? Calm. Right. So you're and coaching so, both ends. You're yeah. coaching both ends when you do that. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm like, That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you have yeah. specific programs that work with parents, right, Erica? Just to be clear. I do, yeah. I've got yeah. a very specific parent coaching program. It is designed to teach parents specific strategies mm -hmm. and practices that they can use with their teen to improve communication, to start building some of these inner tools, I call them, like resilience and confidence. Um, and, you know, enhance responsibility and respect. So my parent coaching program is really specific. Teen coaching is a little different just because right. teens are teens and um, they need a little more flexibility and fluidity. So I always coach towards goals with my teen coaching clients. Um, but there's a little bit, uh, you know, less structure in, in teen coaching than in my parent coaching. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, as we kind of wind down the uh, show today, uh, is there anything that we, we missed with the school um, 
part of it that you wanted to circle back to? Because um, I know we kind of moved around on a lot of different topics. Yeah. You know, I think, um, again, I'm going to say the word calibrate, calibrate with your teen as a student, recognize what she needs, build that support system, you know, and it may be teen coaches who can teach these things like time management, kind of explore motivation, help teens understand what they're capable of and how to really maximize those strengths. Look for, you know, counselors, other people within the school who can be a support um, and educate, educate yourself on the ways in which you can support versus rescue your, your teen. You know, I think that's actually another thing just to say a little more about that when it comes to academics. Um, don't be afraid to let your teen fail. It is such an important teacher. And when teens have an experience of a perceived failure, they learn so much. And, you know, I think that's something it, when I say that, when I've given talks and stuff to parents, they're usually like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what is she talking about? I'm not going to let my teen get an F. And it's like, you, know, you usually never even gets that far, but it's like, you know, if your teen says she's got her studying under control and you think, well, she's sitting on her phone, I haven't seen her even open the book, let her let her experience what that's like, right? And maybe that means she ends up getting a D on a test, right? That's going to be a, a significant experience that's going to teach her something she needs to learn about the next time. So, you know, this is a really important and, and very scary thing for a lot of parents when it comes to academics. But I think we have to start kind of um, looking at failure a little differently. And that is something that can really serve our teens. I love that. I love that, Erica. Thank you. Do you have any um, books that you recommend or any quotes that you like to um, pass on? Favorite quote? I have um, a favorite book that I recommend to pretty much any parent that crosses my path. It's Untangled by Lisa Damore. Um, it's all about parenting teen girls, guiding them through the seven stages to adulthood. It's super practical and it's, it's a big one, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily easy to read, but it's very affirming, and she gives practical strategies for parents um, as they're guiding their daughters. And I have a book, Forrest. What? <laughs> you got to plug your book. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's so get that in the show notes. My book is called Power Up Your Parenting. Um, it's a practical guide for parents of preteen and teen girls, and you can get it on Amazon. And my book's divided into sections, you know, very similar to the areas that we've been talking about today, personal growth, academics, social, um, and, you know, I call it tools for life. And I'm giving parents a lot of information on how they can parent coach their team towards their optimal outcomes. So um, that's something to check out. And what I also love about my book is that I've got some really practical um, tools, you know, a lot of tools that I use with the girls I coach, they're kind of like activities um, that parents can use either with their teen, I teach parents how to use those as either talking points or just kind of integrate them into family discussions or experiences with their teen, or, you know, something that teens can do on their own. So fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for I know, gifting us. I know, I surprised with... you with that one. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to put that in the show notes. Make sure you check out Erica's book. This is amazing. We'll put her website in there. Did you want to go ahead and say your website or any way that people can contact you, Erica? For sure, yeah. My website's inspirebalance.com, 
and there you can contact me there. There's a contact page, or you can also send me an email, Erica with a C at inspirebalance.com. Yeah, that's she awesome. has a schedule online for a discovery call. Please, if there's anything in here that you heard, get a discovery call with her. Let her show yeah. you how she can help, you know? Most definitely, most definitely. Um, as we conclude this episode, Erica, you have parents listening to you right now. Can you give them some words of inspiration directly at the parent listening right, right now? Well, I'll keep it basic. I want to tell all parents, it's going to be okay. <laughs> Your teen is going to get through whatever challenge she's going through. And you as a parent are also, so it's going to be okay. Empower yourself, educate yourself and trust. What a blessing. Thank you, Erica Rude. Thank, thank you so you much. Such an thank honor. You. So honored to have you on our show. And uh, yeah, thank you to our listener. So grateful for you. I'm grateful for Bo and, and, and uh, thank you guys very much. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Can you think of someone who really needs to hear this message Bye. right now? Great. Send them a link to this show. Sharing is caring. Also, go on to Facebook right now and search Parents of Awesome Teens with Anxiety, Depression, or Low Self-Esteem so you can gain access to our supportive community. Remember, it takes a village. Thanks for listening to the Parent Teen Mindset Show. 